friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Anne's Parish. I will never forget something one of my altar servers pulled many years ago in one of my previous assignments. My rule has always been with anyone in ministries that whenever you're assigned to a mass and you can't make your assignment, you need to try to get a substitute. Well, this young boy, apparently something had come up and he was down for the noon mass on this one Sunday and he couldn't make it. And I think he knew very well, he was not the type that was usually willing to volunteer for others, that he was going to have a difficulty finding somebody who was going to switch with him. So he asked for my help, and he says, Father, he says, I can't do the 12 noon Mass on Sunday, but I can do the 9. Can you suggest somebody I might call who's doing the 9 o'clock Mass that would switch with me? So I said, okay. I said, well, let's give this boy a name. Let's call him Billy, just to give him a name. I said, okay. I looked at the schedule, and I said, well, why don't you call Robbie Smith over there? I said, Robbie, I'm sure, would be able to switch with you. So he says, okay, I'll let you know. Well, he calls over to the Smith house, and he gets Robbie's mother on the phone. And he says to her very courteously, Hello, Mrs. Smith, this is Billy calling. Father Carosa wants me to switch masses with Robbie. He wants Robbie to take the 12 noon and me to take the 9 o'clock mass on Sunday. So Mrs. Smith says, Well, okay, sure, fine, if that's what Father wants, but no problem. He calls me back and said, He said he'd switch with me. He would have gotten away with it. Except little Robbie came to me and says, Father, why did you ask us to switch? Was there something special going on at this Mass that you wanted me on for or something? And then I told him, I said, no, Billy just needed a switch. And he says, well, that's not what he told my mother. And the whole truth came out. And I said, you little stinker. I had to give him credit, though, for being clever. He knew that most kids were not going to respond to him and say, sure, I'll cover you, because he never covered people when they called him. And he knew he was going to risk making a lot of phone calls, so he did a clever little thing to try to make sure things went the way he wanted. I didn't approve of what he did. In fact, I put him in uh, altar server hell, you know, or the doghouse, as I call it, for a long time after that, after what he pulled. But I said to myself, isn't it amazing how clever people can be when they want something here and now? And that's what Jesus was talking about in this gospel passage. He wasn't approving of what the wily steward did, but he's saying, look how clever people can be when something matters to them. When it comes to earthly things, we can be masters at manipulation, at cajoling, of pulling strings, of doing everything possible to get what we want here on earth. We see that running rampant in politics and in business. I'm sure we've all come across people like that, that will step on anyone or do anything they can just to rise to the top of the ladder or anything just to to defeat their opponent. And we can be masters at the art. But when it comes to the things of God, we can be absolute novices. We don't have the first clue about how to follow God and to do what he tells us to do so that we can find the peace that we, he wants to give us right here and now. And what does God ultimately promise us? Heaven. That's the most important thing, that when our life is over on this earth, we will reign with him in his kingdom for all eternity. 
And sometimes we lose track of heaven, of the big picture. We look only at our lives around us, and we're praying to God, asking him to give me this, give me that, all the things we're looking for each and every day, which is not necessarily wrong. Many of those things are indeed good things that we need, and the Lord does tell us we may pray for those. But do we ever stop and pray for holiness? Do we ever look for what's going to make sure we enter God's kingdom? Do we ever pray to be free from our sins, to know our sins and have the strength to overcome them? How frequently do we go to confession? That is a wonderful telltale sign for us about whether we're looking to heaven or are we only looking for the things of earth? So sometimes we get ourselves caught up in the earthly things and we forget heaven. And even at that, God is not merely calling us just to follow him in servitude now to be miserable so that we can be happy in heaven. No, even now he wants to give us things that are of greater value than the things we hold on to. And I think sometimes in our lives, I would have liked to be able to have some of the skills that manipulative people have to maybe get holier or get closer to God. One of my weaknesses in life is that I am not a schemer. I am terrible at the game of chess. I know how it's played. I know all the rules of how every piece should move. And I've even taken, you know, bought programs that are supposed to teach you how to be a better chess player. But I just am not a schemer. I don't know how to plot. I don't know how to trap people in situations. It's just totally foreign to my personality. I'm more of a straight shooter and a reactor to things that happen rather than a plotter and a schemer. And sometimes I've wondered, maybe I could be more effective as a priest if I had some of those scheming abilities. I could say things, manipulate people to follow the Lord and and serve him. But then I was thinking about that, I realized right away, no, I don't want that. Because God does not want to manipulate us into following him. He wants us to serve him with the fullness of our hearts to make it our free will. Those who are manipulators of people and getting them to follow the Lord, well, those are the ones who become leaders of cults. And ultimately, they end up leading people not to Christ, but to themselves. No, the Lord wants us to know the truth and follow it. And it's totally and completely up to us. So he doesn't twist our arms. He doesn't cajole us. He doesn't manipulate us. He doesn't force us to obey him. He doesn't threaten us that he'll get us if we don't obey him. He doesn't even force us to go to heaven if we're not ready or don't seem to want it. It's got to be our own free choice. And so I find that a beauty, that following the Lord doesn't mean we have to figure out his game. What is he trying to do and play any sort of um, strategy with him? No, the Lord just says, follow me, do what I tell you and everything will be fine. The problem is sometimes for us to follow him, we have to change. We have to maybe abandon things we're doing that we know really keep us from following the Lord. We have to start doing things that we're not doing. And we have to let go of things. And sometimes we just don't want to let go. Our grip is too firm. And we say, no, I've got to have this. I need this in my life. And the Lord is saying, let go. I have far greater things to give you than you're holding on to. Believe me, I want to make you happy even now, to give you a joy far greater than you're getting from what you think is bringing you happiness. Let go of that and I will show you true happiness. But we're afraid and we don't let go. A perfect example of that I can find in our world today that could absolutely be proven 
And what are the reasons why we're having problems keeping children in our schools, staffing them, having enough students in our schools, and the priestly, the vocation shortage, is that families today are not having as many children as they used to have. When I was a boy, my family was four of us, and we were considered a small family and only four children in the family. Most families had five and six kids. That was totally not out of the, the ordinary. Today, families are having one or two, and if you see a family with three, you say, wow, that's a big family. And of course, that has its effects upon us because there's just not as many children to put in our schools to make them viable. And when it comes to vocations, our vocation director told us he had seen a study where we are still attracting the same percentage of our young men to the priesthood as we have always done before. The problem is there are less young men out there. Because people are having fewer children, the percentage is going to be a lower number. And that's why we don't have the priests to uh, staff our, our parish and everything. And you know, we've been looking at all the wrong things, all the answers about celibacy and this question and that, and all the other things about why people are not becoming priests. And the simple matter is simply, there's just not as many young men out there to call to the priesthood. And sometimes, of course, families today, I know, a family of more, one or two people maybe could be all the children that they financially could possibly afford. But that may not always be the case. In fact, I've often seen situations where families were able to have more children. They just didn't think they could. They love to cry poverty. You know, they're making well over six digits, and yet they still tell you how poor they are. And I remember having conversations with some where they, I say, well, you know, um, more children will bring you more happiness, whatever, etc." And they say, oh, no, you know, um, I just, I, or actually I say to them, I said, you know, it may not be that you can't afford more children. The problem is that maybe you can't live at the high level you want to live and still have more children. So maybe you can't have that big house that you just bought. You know, you have to have something smaller or maybe the big expensive SUV. Or maybe you have to take smaller vacations, not going to Aruba and Jamaica every year. Maybe all you can do is go to the Jersey Shore. So maybe we have to cut back in order to be able to provide for more children. But where there's a will, there's a way and you may be able to do it. And people say to me, oh, I just don't want to live like that. No, I want to have all those things. Well, I have never in my life been called by anyone and asked them to give them bereavement support because their vacation was canceled or because their SUV crashed. And thankfully, nobody was hurt, but it got totaled in an accident. Nobody has ever called me and said, Father, please, you need to console me. My car got destroyed. No one has ever done that. But lose a child. And what a difference. Parents who lose a child will tell you that is the most painful thing anybody can go through. So it's obvious what means the most to us are children. But how many young families today are not having more children simply because they want to have bigger houses and larger cars that are not going to bring them the happiness that those children will bring? And we all know, what is you as parents, what is your greatest joy in life? If you admit it, your greatest joy in life is not the time you got a hole in one. It's not the time you got a promotion at work. Your greatest joy in life is raising your children. And especially when you raise them well and they are responding lovingly to you and to God for whom you are raising them. That brings parents their greatest meaning, their greatest joy in life. And do you not find when a little child makes you a little happy Mother's Day card and even they make it themselves on a piece of, of paper, does that not bring you great joy? 
God wants to give us the things that matter to us more than anything else. Children are a prime example of that, but they're not the only example. There are so many other things out there that God wants to give us. Integrity, dignity, self-respect, character, all those things that come from following him and doing what he wants us to do. But sadly, often we hold on to them because we just, just won't let go of the other things in our lives. My brothers and sisters, the Lord challenges us today not to try to do everything we can to manipulate the world and sometimes even God. There are even times we find people praying, oh God, let me win the lottery and I'll give half of it to the parish and all the things that we seem to have to do to scheme with God to get what we're looking for. No, he says, you don't have to worry about that. Just do as I tell you and abandon the things I'm telling you you have to get rid of. Start doing the things I tell you you need to do And it's as simple as that. And I will fill you with great peace. And I will fill you with a joy, a self-respect, a dignity, a character that none of the things you're holding on to could even remotely bring you because they were never designed to bring you that in the first place. Let go and do things my way. You don't have to manipulate me. You don't have to be wily. You don't have to try any sort of strategy. All you have to do is say, Lord, show me what you want me to do and give me the strength to do it. That's it. That's the whole key to finding God. Lord, show me what you want me to do and give me the strength to do it. And if we can do that, indeed, we will find the Lord. We will find him here and now in this life with all the joy and the meaning that he wants to give us right now. And when our lives on this earth are over, the glory of his kingdom for all eternity. We don't need to be wily stewards to receive the Lord and to be embraced by him. We only need to be loving and say, Lord, show me what you want me to do and give me the strength to carry it out. May Jesus Christ be praised now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.